create lasting change, inspire others, and make a difference. You have joined the Influencers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Donaldson, and each week you will hear from distinguished co-hosts and guests as they share insights into impacting our culture from your neighborhood to the nations. The CARES Act hits the mark in several key respects. It's big, it's timely, and it directly helps individuals, businesses, and state and local governments. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has aptly called it a wartime level investment in our nation. Naturally, a mammoth package that rapidly moves through Congress has shortcomings. And it includes things like the Kennedy Center, which I'm unsure how that is connected to COVID-19. Though many have compared this legislation to the 2009 American Recovery and Reinvestment Act that Congress and President Obama enacted during the recession, CARES is more appropriately thought of as relief, not stimulus. The difference? Well, this bill... It cushions people and businesses from the immediate losses caused by the COVID-19 virus and makes it easier for them to comply with public health guidelines and mandates. I'm sure that stimulus programs will come later, but there's a lot to sort out and we have the best person I believe on the planet to help us understand this bill and its ramifications and how it could apply to us in our businesses and ministries. And that's Bill High, the CEO of Signatree. After graduating with a degree in law from the University of Kansas and building a successful career in law, in 1999, Bill High left the law firm to embark on a new adventure, becoming CEO of Signatree. Since then, the Signatree has sent out Get this, nearly $3 billion in grants. Bill High has also branched out in numerous business ventures to further causes of generosity and family legacy. He founded iDonate, which is, I think, one of the best programs, uh, ministries. You need to look into that. Uh, That's the country's first giving software to handle cash and non-cash in a single platform, and Family Arc, an online private family archive service. Uh, his mission is to change the way people view and practice generosity, and he has certainly done that. Uh, he's also uh, a well, well uh, written and read author. Uh, his most recent book, he co authored with David Green, the CEO and founder of Hobby Lobby called Giving It All Away, a great, great book, must read. Well, Bill, welcome to the Influencers Podcast. Well, thanks, Dave. I'm really glad to be on. I appreciate you guys having me on here to be able to help some people. Well, let's start with uh, just turning it over to you to give us the basics. What is the CARES Act? 
Well, the CARES Act, I think you appropriately pointed out, this is a relief act. It's not just stimulus. There is a stimulus part of it in that, of course, there are cash rebates for individuals and married couples. So eligible taxpayers are going to get up to $1,200, $2,400 for a married couple and then $500 for each qualifying child. Now, there are income limits at $75,000 for an individual, $150,000 for married filing jointly. So that is designed to stimulate uh, individuals to be able to, frankly, go out and reinvest into the community. Uh, to be honest, some of that, some people who are going to receive those stimulus checks might actually say, we don't need that. And they might be able to give it, give it to local churches, give it to ministries that they want to, to support those causes. So that's one of the things right away. One of the other things, by the way, that's really interesting about the the CARES Act is that they've allowed a universal charitable deduction of $300. So if you remember when the last tax bill was passed in 2017, it raised the standard exemption up to $25,000 for a married couple. And so that immediately took away a lot of itemized giving that individuals would do. But now under this CARES Act, everybody can give $300 and still write it off on their income taxes. So if you think about uh, what happened in the last tax act, it took away $25 million homes that were itemizers. If you add that $25 million back in by $300, we have a large opportunity to increase giving around the country to churches and ministries all across the country. So that's a little bit of some of the highlights at an individual level. One of the other things, by the way, that's uh, fascinating about it is at the individual level, that for 2020 only, anybody that's itemizing can actually deduct their charitable contributions up to 100,000 or 100%. So for instance, if you had somebody that's making $100,000, they can actually contribute a full $100,000 and be able to write it off, no penalties whatsoever, and basically have zero tax. Now, again, that particular opportunity is going to put some families in a position where there are going to be some that cannot do that, but there are going to be some people always in an environment like this that are doing extremely well, and they can actually give far more than they could under the previous tax bills. The other thing as it relates to individual or business relief is corporations can now deduct up to 25% of their taxable income. That's a 15% increase. So as we look around the country for opportunity where people can continue to give and continue to help great advance the great ministry of the kingdom, those are going to be some first places that we'll look. It'll be that universal charitable deduction. It'll be some of that relief money coming into individuals who, frankly, again, may not need it uh, because of their individual situations, but then it's going to be some of the individual corporations that are going to be able to give more again because they have capacity to do so. So that's a little bit on the individual side. Dave, I don't know if uh, you all have any questions or comments about that, but that's kind of a first look at it. I know there's some other things that we want to get to, but maybe let's stop there for a second for some commentary from you all. Yeah, I first have a basic question about the relief or stimulus checks. Uh, first of all, it requires a person to 
uh, complete their tax filing. Right. Okay. What if they haven't filed their 2019 taxes? Yeah, so from a tax planning perspective, what an individual should take a look at is if their 2018 return, for instance, if they're an individual, was uh, 75000 or less, then they should wait because the, the tax filing deadline, of course, has been extended to July of this year. So just go based upon the 2018 federal return. On the other hand, if somebody knows that their 2019 situation put them in a more difficult situation where their income would be lower than that $75,000, then they should go ahead and file their 2019 return as quickly as possible because the CARES Act isn't meant to extend until that July period. It's really to try to provide that immediate relief. So act quickly and file that 2019 return as well. So that's a practical plan point that every family in the country should be taking a look at. Bill, I have with me Wendell and Steve Vinson. Uh, they are pastors of a great, great church in Bakersfield, California called Canyon Hills. And uh, Wendell in particular was actually instrumental in helping uh, the CARES Act uh, get, uh, get through Congress. Uh, he's also a co-founder of CityServe International. Uh, Wendell and Steve, uh, questions that you have for Bill? Bill, regarding the personal rebate, does this apply for people who receive a 1099? The contractor situation ultimately is different, but what the government is going to be looking at ultimately will be the federal tax return. So that's the number that you're going to have to take a look at. I see. Uh, what about college students? How does that apply for a parent who has a child in college? If the college student is a dependent, then they won't qualify. So if they are independent, they're on their own, then yes, they would qualify. I know I actually just had this question come up where there are a couple college students who were really disappointed that they were going, weren't going to get uh, their stimulus check. But hey, let's face it, they were still getting some support from their parents, and so they should be grateful. How do we go about receiving this? It's just going to be a matter of the government taking a look at those federal income tax returns and trying to issue those checks as quickly as possible. So it's not something that an individual is going to act on, which is different from the payment protection plan that we'll talk about here in a little bit. By the way, one other issue, Wendell, while we're here that I do think is important is that, of course, for many people uh, with churches and ministries, they, are, they will have some individuals who are taking required minimum distributions from requirement um, from retirement accounts. There is not a required minimum distribution uh, this year. And so that's good and it's bad, but where the real opportunity comes in is that people can actually withdraw up to $100,000 from their plan without any 10% uh, withdrawal penalty. And again, that represents, for some of those folks who don't need the money out of those retirement plans, because again, there are some people who've been giving out of those retirement plans, it's a great chance where they might say, I'm going to withdraw that money with no penalty and then make a gift up to 100% of my AGI. So Bill Wendell here, pastors really should consider 
uh, how to effectively communicate to their church these three areas. They're both the personal above the line deductions uh, that they'll have, each individual will have this year. And I'm hearing you say also businesses and corporations, this uh, 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 contribution credit being lifted really to, to 25%, if I understand you correctly. And then for individuals who have the potential to give a higher percentage of their adjusted gross income, it can go to 100%. Is that what I'm understanding? That's correct. And so in that regard, what I would say is that if they, if anybody listening to this podcast wants for more information, they go to our website, thesignatory.com, and we've got a download there, Understanding the CARES Act, and it's going to have every facet of the highlights of the bill. Obviously, we're not including some of the more minutiae, but it's got this part about the relief for the individuals, the required minimum distributions, and the charitable contributions deduction as well. So this is three significant, really, opportunities for the church if pastors can uh, communicate this effectively. And what you're providing is a great resource for them to shape that communication to their congregation. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we're trying to help the people on the front lines, trying to help the, the people who are out there fighting every day. Of course, some of that's had to be online. By the way, one little aside, Dave mentioned it. Uh, the company that we founded, idonate.com, has actually been giving away to churches who didn't have online donation platforms, that donation platform, because as you know, many churches are not being able to meet in person. And so those that didn't have online giving capacity might be out if they relied upon passing the plate or just passing the envelope kind of system. So I think in the past 10 days, we have given away 2,000 donation platforms to churches around the country. Well, this uh, lifting of this charitable deduction cap certainly provides an opportunity for the church this year to really see some, um, you know, some of their donors uh, have the ability really to give more than they could before uh, and uh, really exploit or take advantage of the tax benefit that's available to them. No doubt. And, and in every congregation, while there certainly are going to be individuals who are struggling and unhurting, there's always going to be some folks who are set up and they're doing well. And this is going to be their opportunity to actually live out their generosity in a greater way. Amazing. That's, boy, it's powerful on an individual basis, a family basis, but also a, a, a business uh, to be able to do more than they could do otherwise. Can we talk for a little bit about the CARES Act, Bill? Yeah, so the one of the other key parts of the CARES Act is the payment protection plan part of this bill. And this is what Dave is referring to. This is really relief more than it is just stimulus. And the idea there is that small businesses... Uh, small businesses being defined as 500 or fewer employees. Uh, and this includes, by the way, both the for-profit and the nonprofit world. So this certainly applies not only to the business generating kind of entity, but it includes the nonprofit ministry, the church, and they can they are eligible to receive these government guaranteed loans through the Small Business Administration. The loans are capped at 10 million. They've got to be used for payroll. They've got to be used for administrative expenses like mortgage interest, rent, utility uh, payments, and the like. So that's the idea behind it. The, the borrower 
typically is going to apply for that loan forgiveness um, equal to that loan amount spent during an eight-week period, meaning ultimately is while you go apply for this and you get a specified amount related to your payroll, um, that loan can be forgiven just as long as you keep those employees on your payroll for that period of time. So it's a great opportunity for churches and ministries across the country to be able to continue to help people stay on their staff and keep doing the work of the ministry. So it's really, this is a unique moment because churches typically haven't uh, been included in the SBA loan programs. No, they haven't been. And that's that has been, I think, a great feature of uh, this administration is to recognize the work of the nonprofit world and the church world just in the same way that uh, businesses uh, provide service as well. Bill, could you drill down just a little bit on the formula that establishes the size of the loan? So it's based upon two and a half times the average monthly payroll. And so that, and again, that is going to include things like paid sick leave, medical leave, the insurance premiums, and some of the underlying overhead that goes in to taking care of those employees. Now, if there is a individual employee making more than $100,000 a year, then the, the loan program caps it at $100,000. So it, it isn't designed to reimburse you for, if you will, the highly compensated individuals, but up to $100,000. And again, these loans are 100% forgivable if you use it for those purposes, uh, so long as you maintain at least 75% of those wages and that full-time equivalent employee base. So again, it's a great opportunity. There, there is... $349 billion that's available in these forgivable loans. Now, having said that, well, that sounds like a lot of money. I still am encouraging people to get on the ball and pursue this. Again, at our website, we're going to have a summary of this information. The SBA has already got a the application form available. So you can go to the Small Business Administration website and you can get that application form. Again, if they need that from us, we're certainly happy to provide that as well to provide more specific direction. But the application process can begin as early as Friday, April 3rd. So we're encouraging people to get on that, pursue that. Typically, you're going to need to pursue that through your local business because that's where the loan will originate, or through your through your local bank, that is. So that, that ratio of 2.5 is roughly 10 weeks. Right. So ultimately, the whole idea of this being forgivable is uh, an effort on the part of the administration to uh, keep people working, really encouraging our churches not to uh, furlough their staff or let go of staff, not to downsize right now, correct? That's right. And I think it's certainly also a recognition of what they see as a potential potential timeline. We've heard that in the news already, that there's at least an eight-week window in here where we've still got challenges. Um, but during that period of time, we want to keep those people employed, getting a paycheck. And then, as you know, it's certainly a lot harder to let somebody go and then try to come back and replace them at a later point in time. So the continuity is a big, big deal.
Excellent. Hey, Bill, uh, is there anything in this legislation that provides protection against foreclosure uh, and forbearance, you know, on uh, especially federally backed mortgages and protection against evictions for tenants? You know, that part of the CARES Act is not something that we have pursued at this time, Dave. It is, we've mainly focused upon the nonprofit side of it as opposed to the eviction side of it. Uh, switching back to the charitable contributions, uh, we have listeners that want to give more to charity. Uh, they're especially blessed even during these difficult times. Have the limits on the charitable deductions changed? The limits on the charitable deduction is what I said. So it used to be that it was 60% of your income that you could donate. And now through the CARES Act, you're going to actually be able to donate up to 100% of your income. Now, this new deduction, though, it's only for cash gifts that go to a public charity. Is that correct? Uh, it is. There's. We're still waiting on some clarifications from Congress, ultimately, on what some of this means, because the cash contributions, they did make a specific note that that 100% was not to go into a donor advised fund. In other words, if you come back to my example of the person making 100000 and they say they wanted to give 100000 we don't want them just to put it into a donor advised fund and then have them sit on it. We actually want them to put it into circulation direct to a church or nonprofit and have it go to work right away. Now, under the the, the previous law, 60%, of course, could be given away. I do believe that what will happen is that they will allow some portion to go into donor-advised funds and then some portion that will still need to go direct out to uh, the church or to the ministry. And if you want to give more than your income this year, you're not going to lose that deduction for the excess amount because that could be moved into next year. Is that right? Carryover provisions would still apply. And so in the carryover rules, so if that person said, I want to give 200000 or $100,000 over my uh, current AGI, they'd actually be able to carry that deduction over into the following tax year, 2021, and, and up to a total of six years, the year of the gift and five more years. We mentioned churches. Does this also apply to Christian camps, Christian schools? Yeah, they're a nonprofit. Just as long as they have that 51C3 status, it would be completely applicable to the Christian school, uh, the, the Christian camp and the like. Bill, have you delved into the, the unemployment insurance as it relates to extending the duration by 13 weeks and increasing payments by 600 per week for, what, four months? And this does it also include like gig, you know, employees that are doing special projects? It does. It, that, and of course, some people are calling it kind of the Uber provision where they wanted to protect some of those independent contractors that are out there, whether an Uber or Lyft person who's actually doing this gig work trying to stay alive. And so it's given them then that $600. And again, it's all about trying to keep people working. Now, 
let me do flip ahead because there is something really important. You can take a look at the charitable contribution level and the small business loans. Those are all critical to the act. But it is, I think, as Wendell said earlier, one of the first keys to this is actually communicating it and communicating it loudly enough and often enough so that your people understand that it's available. So part of the work, certainly the, one of the reasons behind this podcast is to make sure that people are broadly aware of it, churches and ministries and the like, but also the business owners that sit in the seats of of these congregations. So we need to communicate loud and often. One of the things that we're telling, practically speaking, that church leaders should be pursuing is picking up the phone and calling people within their congregations. Uh, we just did a nonprofit webinar last week where we encouraged at least five text messages a day, 10 phone calls, and 10 emails with simply the idea that, number one, we're going to check in. We're going to see how you're doing. Is there something that we as a church can do for you? And if you continue to stay in front of your people, then anytime we see this kind of backing off, the social distancing, if you will, it becomes a time where people can get used to a routine. What is it? Six weeks to a habit. And so people won't have been in church for six to eight weeks in some cases. So this is the one of the ways that we as the church continue to stay in front of this and show love and care. So we, we've encouraged people to break up their staff uh, and assign certain numbers of phone calls and emails out to people in the congregation. Part of that conversation should be all these things that we've just mentioned. And, and again, part of the conversation, too, should also be, how are you doing? And some of that, how are you doing, would not only be the physical and emotional and the, the, the mental aspects, but also how are you doing financially? Uh, because within that conversation, you're going to find some of those people who are doing extremely well financially and can make a gift. Um, and again, some of that giving will be cash giving. Uh, one of the other things that we know the act did not take away is the government also allows you to give 30% of your income using non-cash gifts. So again, there may be people within the congregation who own houses, rental homes, um, other real estate, as for instance, or parts of ownership interests and in businesses. Those are the kind of things that can be given and this, and if if there's any a year, this is one of those years where people are going to be extremely mindful of the tax opportunity. So just that point of communication, I can guarantee you, I've been on the phone, seems like nonstop with not only leaders from around the country, nonprofit leaders, but the nonprofit community, the, the parachurch organizations, they're doing it. And so uh, we definitely encourage the local church to be on phone, on the phone, emailing, text messaging with the body. That is outstanding. Uh, Bill, is there anything else that you would like to add? Well, one of the other things that we have definitely tried to encourage um, any ministry to be doing as they are having these kind of conversations is as we get past some of this social distancing side, people are coming out of a period in time where emotionally and psychologically, we all have been in a period. This is one of these unique periods in time globally 
where for the first time, we're all experiencing the same event at the same time. And so it's prompted these questions of what is going on? What is God doing? And it's also forced us to confront our own feelings of uncertainty and who's really in control. And so one of the things we've tried to encourage people in ministry to do is that as we come out of this and as you have the opportunity to gather together, really look at the idea of some small groups, uh, groups of 10, groups of 20, where you can be able to bring people some of that community aspect together, and you can allow people to share their experience of what they've gone through, but frankly, then also to continue to educate them about these opportunities to give. We know that as we encourage people to be generous, they become more aligned with the mission and the ministry, but frankly, it's good for them. They experience greater joy and again, greater alignment to the mission and the ministry of the organization that they're involved with. So we just think that's so critical yeah. is that there's a period of reset that we need to do. We cannot take this a struggle that we are going through right now and then expect to go back to life as normal. We've got to do some period of reset. And that's what some of the, what I call these as uh, salon groups, you know, groups of 10 to 20 at a time and just reset a little bit. That's excellent, Bill. Bill, also, I would direct our listeners to the Signatory website because in addition to helpful information that you've shared here today, uh, you are a terrific writer and very inspirational, and I love what you've written, Shaken to Stand, Addressing the Crisis and Hope. So I would encourage our listeners to go to your website, uh, Signatry.com, uh, outstanding blog you have there. Bill, uh, please let us know, where can we find additional resources for the CARES Act and also inspirational blogs like this? Well, I keep up, uh, go to, for the summary of the CARES Act, our website, thesignatory.com, and we'll have that there so people can download. But then also uh, the application is available at the Small Business Administration website. It's a simple Google process that you can pursue. Your local banker is somebody that you're going to be able to there, they are on this. I've actually already received a phone call from our banker. You can also go to my website, billhigh.com, where I write on these topics and speak on these topics, and you'll see a whole whole host of information, my blogs, my content, but also some of these kind of resources that are available for people. Bill High, the CEO of Signatory. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. I hope you enjoy listening to Influencers on the Charisma Podcast Network. Join us next week for another thought-provoking episode. And remember to use your influence to move people closer to Jesus. Jesus.